so Genesis 2-7 kind of brings them together. I want to show you this before we get into the thick of things today. Genesis 2-7 says this, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. There's the body. This is your earth suit. You're, you're, you're going to give this up one day. You're going to get a new body in heaven. This, this is going to go back to dust from which it came. Okay, that's your body. You live in a body. It says, And God breathed in his nostrils the spirit or the breath of life. It's the same word in the Hebrew. And that's this, you are a spirit. Say, I am a spirit. You're going to live forever. You are going to live forever. Either heaven or hell, but you're living forever. You're a spirit. And then it says this, and man became a living soul. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your personality. There's all three right here. Um, your soul comes alive in the womb. Your personality gifting that God gave you comes alive. In, it doesn't come alive once you're out of the womb. It comes alive in the womb. Uh, God said, I knew Jeremiah. I knew his personality. I knew what he was going to be like in the womb. Your spirit is, you're born with your spirit dead. When you get saved, your, the spirit of God comes into your life and quickens your spirit and your spirit becomes alive when you're born again. So uh, you, when you're in the womb, your soul comes alive, then you have your body, of course, and then your spirit comes alive when you get saved, okay? We want our spirit to be in charge. Now, all three of these things affect each other. If you're unsaved, it affects your body and your soul. If your soul is unhealthy, it affects what you do and where you go with your spirit. So they all three affect each other. But here's what I want you to see. This is the most amazing thing uh, that you'll ever experience ever here in the Bible. If it was not in the Bible, I would not think it was true. Okay, here's the thing. Today, because we're talking about the mouth, is this. The mouth is what God created to bring all three together. The mouth, even God's mouth, is what is used to bring things from the supernatural realm into the natural realm. The mouth connects the spirit to the physical. God did this, and he called us to do this as well. Uh, let me say this too. Your spirit was created for you to connect to God. Your body was created for you to connect to his creation. The sun, the, the beach, the wind, the, the, the trees, the mountains. Your soul was created to connect you to both God and his creation. But your mouth connects all three all of the time. Is that not fascinating? In fact, you don't even believe me yet, but once you see in the Bible, in fact, let me show you one scripture before we get into the day. There's one scripture just to bring them together, Romans 10, 9, and you know the scripture, but you've probably never heard it like this before. If you confess with your that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, now that's your soul. Remember Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's your soul. You will be saved. Is salvation a spiritual experience, yes or no? Yes. Does the Holy Spirit not the Holy Flesh, does the Holy Spirit come into your mortal body when you get saved, yes or no? Yeah. And what happened? Your mouth confessed it. Yeah. Your mouth, it, and that's, salvation isn't the mouth, salvation is the heart, but your mouth spoke it out, which connects them all together. And you see this all through the Bible. So today in part four, I want to talk to you, and this is the conclusion of our series on spiritual maturity, I want to talk to you about the mouth. The mouth. Um, the mouth is what connects us to God. If you feel a disconnect today between you and God, you can easily get that back with your mouth. Prayer. Does prayer not move the hands of God? A physical, verbal thing that we can do causes God and his angels to move on our behalf. Um, if you feel a disconnect to God, maybe there's something you need to confess with your mouth to him. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. It's a mouth thing. The Spirit of God inhabits wherever you're at when you praise him verbally. Uh, the mouth connects us to each other. Every one of your relationships is based on your mouth. 
Every relationship rises or falls based on communication. The people that you love being around are the people that are the most encouraging people in your life. The people that have hurt you the most, they've hurt you with their mouth. The greatest pain we'll ever experience is from someone else's mouth. And listen, some of the greatest love you'll, and affirmation you will ever experience is from somebody's mouth. Um, mouth connects us. When we get married, you have to say vows to each other. It's not like, oh, I'm going to have to tell you that you're pretty and that I love you. I don't want to do that. No, it's in your heart. So you gladly confess that. Doctors, lawyers, our whole society, they're sworn in by words. Do you promise to withhold this? Do you promise? Yes. It's all verbal. All verbal. So point number one for your notes today is this. My mouth controls my life. My mouth controls my life. Listen, your parents' mouth does not control your life. Whether they were very affirming or very negative, your pastor's mouth does not control your life. Listen real close. God's mouth, as powerful as he is, his mouth does not control your life. Your words can overpower God's words for you. Your mouth controls your life. If you're in James chapter 3, open up your Bibles, and this is the longest discourse in the Bible that has to do with the mouth. There's, there's a thousand scriptures on the mouth, but the longest discourse in one place on the mouth is in James chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses uh, 2 through 12. Verse 1 just basically says if you go around giving advice, you're going to be judged on a higher level because you consider yourself a teacher if you're very opinionated. So that's a good verse there on, on verbal language. James 3, 2 through 12 says this, if you can control your tongue, you are mature. Do you know how many Christians think they should be in leadership, think they should be leading groups, be in charge of things, but because they're negative, gossips, uh, because they are uh, slandering others, because they slander the commander-in-chief of our country, um, because they are constantly giving unasked-for advice, it proves they're not mature. If you want to know how old you are spiritually, just listen to your mouth. If you want to know how old somebody else is spiritually, you may have been coming to church for 30 years, but if your mouth hasn't changed, your heart hasn't changed. Because your mouth says what's going on deep inside your heart. It says a small... Now look at these different examples that James gives us. He's, he's not just saying the mouth is powerful. He's saying it is, it, is, um, it is disproportionately powerful. He's saying it's so small, but it can do so much damage. A small bit in the mouth of a horse can control the whole animal. A small rudder in a huge ship, it can go whichever way the pilot chooses. Even in rough winds, even in the storms of life, don't talk about your storm. Talk to your storm. You can control the outcome when you're in the middle of a storm in life by your mouth. Remember they woke up, Jesus, we're afraid, we're afraid. And Jesus said, oh, I'm afraid too. What are we going to do? Jesus didn't say that. He spoke to the storm, peace. Be still. Okay, am I losing you? Everybody's okay, right? Okay, it's making sure. You're like, I'm scared to say something during this sermon. I don't know if I should talk or not. A small rudder makes the ship go whichever way the pilot chooses. A tongue is a small thing. In other words, in contrast to the whole body and everything you have available to influence the world, the tongue is the greatest influence you have. If you want to change the world, change your words. If you want to change the atmosphere at your workplace, change your mouth. It starts with the mouth, uh, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And it says this, and this is very, very fascinating to me. It says that the default setting on your mouth, in other words, the mouth apart from having a relationship with God is a world of wickedness. 
corrupting your entire body. Notice it affects your body too. It can set a whole life on fire. You know, you see that scripture about a tiny spark? Um, a few years ago, I, went, I drove through Tennessee after that big Gatlinburg fire. I don't know if y'all remember that, maybe four or five years ago. I drove through there about a year or two afterwards, and mile after mile after mile, nothing but death. I mean, just blackness where there should have been um, trees and, and animals and, and, and greenery. It was nothing but death, mile after mile after mile. I Googled what started the fire. I, God's what, it's what it said. It said a power line fell and a tiny spark started the blaze. All of these people, animals, life died and it started with a tiny spark. Do you know... 99% of all the hurt that you've experienced in life, even a lot of it that you've bottled up and not even dealt with yet, has been from the mouth of people. Now, if that statement's true, and it is, that means we also have to admit 99% of the pain that we've caused has been from our mouth. Verse 8 says this, No man can tame the tongue. That means, you can own, that means without God's help, you can't go three days without saying something self-centered, some kind of opinion, something negative, something you shouldn't have said. It's full of deadly poison. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. This isn't right. Does a fig tree produce olives? No. Does a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. It's saying the mouth is the, is the strangest, most unnatural thing on planet Earth. Everything else on earth, if you want orange trees, you can sow an orange seed and it'll always produce orange trees. An orange seed will never produce grapes. But the mouth is so unnatural, it does something nothing else can do. It can produce poison ivy one day and apples one day. It can produce uh, cactuses one day and orange trees the next day. It is so unnatural. It should not be this way is what the scripture says. Is this not convicting already? Some of you are like, I'm going to shut up all week long. I'm not saying nothing. So, you know, I love to give you sermon examples to kind of help you um, just understand things and just show you different things. So I need a volunteer today. Now, before you raise your hand, let me say two things. One is I'm going to give you a $5 gift card to Chick-fil-A if you volunteer. The other thing is the whole room might think that you're gross. But it's okay because it's going to be fun. So I need a volunteer. Please. Please. Dylan, come on up here. Man, you just are just my man, aren't you? Yay. Everybody say, yay, Dylan. Okay, come here. Is this a new toothbrush? It's a new, it's a new toothbrush. That's not a trick. Here, stand here. Open up the toothbrush. Okay. What did you have for breakfast today? Did you eat? You forgot to eat? Well, that's kind of good. Um, can you brush your teeth for us? Just get in there. Just brush it real good. your tongue scrape your tongue real good okay that's good you did good here's your five dollar gift card and you can go sit down okay would anybody else like to come up i have a five dollar gift card i have a fifty dollar gift card anybody anybody at all a hundred dollar gift card nobody i'm curious what if what if I took this toothbrush and I scraped it on the bottom of my foot like that? Now, does anybody want to use it? Anybody? Anybody willing to use my toothbrush? What if I took the toothbrush and I did like this? Oh, 
Now, let me just say this. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being gross, what is that? 12. Let me ask you this. If you won't share your toothbrush with your neighbor who's in church with you, who loves you, why would you share your mouth with Satan? You know what we do a lot? On Sunday mornings, our mouth belongs to God. But then as soon as Monday morning hits, our mouth belongs to Satan. And then we come back on Sunday morning and we say, God, now that Satan's done with it, now you can use it. How do you think God feels about that? Now, just y'all don't tell the second service, okay? I have two of them up here. I just want to make sure you understand I'm not that nasty. <laughs> okay, Proverbs 18:21. Death and life are in the power of your tongue, and you'll eat the fruit of what you say. Listen, here's the this is this is crazy, okay? This is crazy. Good news and bad news. Here's the bad news. Death is in the power of your tongue. Here's even worse news. You're going to eat the fruit of what you say. Not what I say, not what God says, what you say. That's why our mouth needs to line up with God's word. Here's the good news. Life is in the power of your tongue. You want life in your marriage? It starts with your mouth. You want life in your friendships? It starts with your mouth. You're going to eat the fruit of your words. Every time we speak, God and his angels are standing on the sidelines and Satan and his demons are right there on the other side. And every time we speak, they're waiting to see, what are they going to say? If they're speaking blessing, God and his angels go to work. If we're speaking death, Satan and his demons go to work. And you have called them in from the spirit realm into the natural realm. James 1.26, if you think you're religious and you don't bridle your tongue, your religious service is worthless. And here's the big thing, your heart's deceived. How many people think, well, I'm a good Christian, and I do this, and I'm da-da-da-da, and their heart is deceived. The reason you think that and your mouth doesn't line up with it is because your heart is deceived. That's what deceived means. You're deceived. Well, I can't be deceived. That's what the word means, is that you can be deceived. Check your mouth. Everybody say, check your mouth. Okay, number two is this. Uh, before we show you, I don't want to show you number two. I want, I want to just see what you're going to guess on your paper, on your handout. I'm going to let you put the blank in. Don't talk out of your, now whatever you put there is probably going to be the right answer. If you're northerners, you might put something different than southerners now. If you live in Aner, you might put something different than whatever, I don't know. The correct answer is the word flesh. Don't talk out of your flesh. I'm going to be grading your papers after church. First Corinthians 3, 3 says this, you are immature and unspiritual. Remember the title of our series is what? Spiritual maturity, right? This is big. Not only are you immature, not only are you unspiritual, not only are you of the flesh, when you do this, when you're under the control of emotional impulses. In other words, when you just say whatever you feel like saying, you are immature, unspiritual, and of the flesh. How many people have lost a really good job because they just couldn't shut their mouth? Or a really good friend because they couldn't shut their mouth? Or a really good church? I bet you know people at your workplace that you thought if they had just shut up, they would have been promoted by now. But their mouth keeps getting them into trouble. Here's the problem with talking out of your flesh. Your flesh is a liar. Listen real close. Your feelings are lies. Never make decisions based on your emotions. Now, it's okay to talk about your feelings. That's healthy sometimes. But don't talk out of your feelings. Here's why. Here's what your feelings do from week to week. Is that how you live, right? Sunday, Monday, 
Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, this is what you do. If you talk out of this, then whatever you say is going to be a lie. And two days later, you're going to have to say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Our fe- anytime, in fact, anytime you tell somebody they, have to just, they, they need to live based on their feelings, you're removing free will out of their life. You mean I just have to say whatever I feel and act however I feel and do whatever I feel? Yeah, you're not giving them free will. Free will is that we have a choice. You don't have to talk out of your flesh. The spirit, the reason the Bible never changes because it's truth. A truth statement is truth no matter what. So when you talk out of your flesh, it's never going to be the truth. If you talk how you feel, what you feel right now, you won't feel tomorrow. And what you feel when someone hurts you, you won't feel a week later when you forgive them. The way you feel when someone disrespects you, once you let it go and bring it to God, you won't feel the same way. So if you talk in those times, you're going to regret what you have to say. Proverbs 30, 32 says this, if you've had a bad thought, lay your hand on your mouth. If there was a Socasty translation of the Bible, it would say, if you have a bad thought, shut up, dodo. That's what it would say. Are you redneck? Something like that. But that's what it would say. (laughs) If you've thought evil, don't say anything. You know, every man's dream is to be married to a cheerleader. Not because of the outfit, not because of the blonde hair, not because of the very high IQ, but the reason that every man wants to be married to a cheerleader is because no matter how bad the team is doing, their cheerleaders always say, you can do it. You got it. We're going to win, right? One of my kids asked me to watch that that big college game that was last week. It was between, you know, and when your kids ask you to do something with you, you're like, whatever you want to do with me, we'll do it. So we watched the game, and it was between Clemson and LSU. And God already showed me before the game that the Tigers were going to win. But anyway, (laughs) and so during the game, I noticed that at some point, Clemson was down like 20 points or something like that, right? And the camera just spans through, and you see a shot of the cheerleaders. I kid you not, the cheerleaders had smiles on their faces, hands in the air. They were probably saying something like, V-I-C-T-O-R-Y, we have the victory. And you're thinking, there's three minutes down, you're 20, you're 20 minutes. You don't know, we can do it, we can do it. That's what you, I've never seen a cheerleader say, L-O-S-E-R-S, we are losers. (laughs) Never seen them do that. You know, listen, the atmosphere in your home is what it is because of your mouth. That's why, if you want more peace in your home, speak it. If you want more joy, speak it. If you want more of God, praise Him. This all happens with our mouth. There's a story, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I I, I read it, and it says um, that Socrates, the great philosopher, was visited by a young man named Pambo. And Pambo came to him and said, oh, you're the, you're, the, you're the great philosopher, Socrates. Give me some words of wisdom that will forever change the course of my life. So Socrates said, okay, great. You're, you're wanting to study. He said, yes, I, I want to be just like you. I want to study. I want to be a great philosopher. So the story says Socrates opened up the Bible to Psalm 39 and said, we're going to go through it verse by verse. And as we study a verse, we'll work on that, and then you'll come back and see me, and we'll study the next verse and so on. So he said, great. So the first verse in Psalm 39.1, it says, I will be careful not to sin with my tongue. Socrates closed the Bible and said, okay, Pambo, work on that and come back to me when, when you're done. The story says that Socrates waited and waited and waited and waited, and Pambo never returned. 
49 years later, they are in the marketplace. Old men, they run into each other. Socrates says, Pambo, what are you doing? Where have you been? You told me after you finished lesson one, you would come back and see me. Pambo says, I am. As soon as I learn lesson number one, I will be back to see you for lesson number two. How many people are still working on lesson number one right here? You've been in church 40, 50 years. You've tried to let, you've heard, and yet nothing's changed. If your mouth doesn't change, it means your heart hasn't changed because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen, if the only thing your spouse does all day long is get out of bed, you tell him he's the best getter-upper in the whole world. <laughs> Honey, when you get out of bed at 11 o'clock, I'm just so proud of you, you know? Whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is. There's, um, there's a comic book. I don't know if y'all will, uh, you know, appreciate this analogy, but there's a comic book that turned into a cartoon that turned into a movie a few years ago called G.I. Joe. Are y'all, are y'all familiar with G.I. Joe? Okay, well, some of you. Anyway, so G.I. Joe, the real American. Okay, good. Some of you do know. So there's a, a character in G.I. Joe named Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes is, wears all black, and he's, the, he's like this ninja guy, you know. And Snake Eyes took a vow of silence when he was a young man. So in all the comic books and all the movies and all the cartoons, he never speaks. And he's the most popular character in the entire comic book and movie. Anytime they get sent out on a mission, everybody wants to be on Snake Eyes team. When they're in the gym working out, where's Snake Eyes? They talk about how great he is, how much they like him, and he doesn't say a single word. Here's my question for you. Would your home have more joy or less joy if you spent a week not talking? If the answer is more joy, you got a problem. It, would your home, would your place of work have more peace or less peace if you couldn't talk? If it would have more peace, you got a problem. We always need to ask ourselves when these feelings arise, we just need to wait. Just everybody say wait. Here's the acronym. Why am I talking? Why am I talking? Why am I opening up? Does this need to be corrected? Will it make this person feel better or worse? Will it draw us closer or further apart? Why do I need to bring up this issue? Is God telling me this issue needs to be dealt with? Or are my feelings just taking control of my life right now? Why am I talking? Number three is this. Talk out of your spirit. Talk out of your spirit. This is what God actually created us to do, believe it or not. So let me show you some scriptures on how God uses his mouth to bring things from the spirit realm into the natural realm. In Genesis 1, verse 2, the very beginning, it says this, The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay, watch this. There was darkness. Everything was void. There was no connection. Nothing was coming together. There was problems. Listen. And the Spirit of God was there. The Spirit of God was in the place where there was confusion. The Spirit of God was available where there were problems. The Spirit of God was present and yet there was darkness. Nothing changed even though the Spirit of God was there. What did God do with these problems? Now it says uh, that the Trinity was there in the beginning. Let us make man in our image. So did God look at Jesus and say, Jesus, what are we going to do with all this darkness? And then Jesus looked at the Holy Spirit and said, and everything is void. There's no form. I can't believe this. And the Holy Spirit looked back at God and said, we just need to get out of here because nothing's changing. What did they do to bring change in this difficult place? Watch this. It's very powerful. Verse 3. God 
said, let there be light. And light came at 186,000 miles per second. And everything changed. Do you know in every negative situation you're facing, the Spirit of God is available and present and just waiting to see what's going to come out of your mouth. I am not telling you to deny the problem. I'm telling you to talk about the solution. We give life to our faith by speaking it out. This is what we were create. This is why you're here today to hear the word of God spoken over your life. If I could not speak this over you, it would be a very boring service. You would not get much from it. It all comes listen, if you're sick, call yourself healthy. Well, are you sick? Yeah, I'm sick. But guess what? I, God's going to bring me out. God's using this for somehow to give him glory. I'm supposed to meet somebody, tell them about Jesus. There's something God's going to do. I'm going to be out of this. If you're poor, call yourself wealthy. If you're sad, call yourself happy. If you look like Mark, call yourself handsome. Do whatever it takes. Mark needs to do that every day, every single day. Don't say anything unless you can follow it up with this. That's exactly what I want to happen. That's exactly, you know, I joke around a lot about being handsome. Um, I, you know, I might make jokes, I'm good looking and that kind of thing. Listen, first of all, I'm not prideful. And second of all, I'm just kind of doing it to make you laugh, right? But I've never said, I am so ugly. I can't believe what's wrong with me. Nobody likes me. I'm just not good at this. I'm not good. I, don't, I always say what I want to happen. I'm good looking. I'm handsome. Do you know what's so funny about this? If you lined up every single guy that I went to high school with, Every one of them. I'm, I'm, four, I'm about to be 41 years old. If you line them all up, they all look 20 years older than me. Every time I see somebody from high school, they all say the same thing. You look just the same. You haven't changed. You know why? I'm calling it in. I'm not going to call myself uh, unhealthy, lazy, stupid. I'm going to call myself handsome, happy, healthy, whole, good looking. You can call yourself whatever you want to call you. That's what I'm calling me. And listen, you can call me whatever you want. My words will override your words. Do you know that your words can stop God's plan for your life? As powerful as he is, he's given us the free will to say what we want to happen in our life. And your words about yourself can stop his words about you. Jeremiah 1.5, God said, before I formed you in the womb, I chose you to be a prophet to the nations. When Jeremiah heard God say this, Jeremiah was inexperienced. He was young. He didn't know if he could do it or not. And the first thing Jeremiah said was in verse 6, I can't speak, Lord. I'm too young. Did God say, oh, Jeremiah, keep on just talking about your feelings. Just get it all out. It'll make you feel better. Just say whatever you feel. No, God said, Jeremiah, be quiet. Verse 7, don't say you're too young. You go to the people and say just what I tell you to say. Why did God stop him in his tracks? Why did God not let him get anything else out? Here's why God knew, Jeremiah, I have an amazing plan for your life. But if your words contradict my words, your life is going to follow what you say, not what I say. Do you, do you, do you understand what I'm telling you today? Say, yes, I do. Yes, I say, I love, I love it. In verse 12, the Lord said, Jeremiah, I'm watching to see my words come true. Do you know that's what God says for every single one of you here today? I'm just watching and waiting to see what comes out of your mouth. Because here's what I want to happen. I want my words to come true. Um, I'll, 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 I'll close with this. 
about a year or so ago, one of my kids got in a car accident and he was with some friends and the insurance companies were battling something. So I had to go to a lawyer's office and just answer three or four questions about, you know, where my kid was, who he was with. And when I was there, there was a, in this case, it was a lady and she had one of those, um, uh, like a scuba diving thing on her face, you know, and a computer typing. And she's what you call a stenographer. They type out every word you say, everything, everything. At one point, I had a coughing spell, and so I was coughing, and she was typing. So I stopped. I said, hold on, everybody. I'm just curious. What are you typing when I'm coughing? To which she had to type, what are you typing when I'm coughing? <laughs> to which she moved it and said, cough in parentheses. She put it back, and she had to type, cough in parentheses. Is what, okay, it just went on and on. It was kind of funny. But it's interesting. Everything I said was being recorded. Listen. If every word you've spoken in life, there was an angel stenographer that typed them all out and then handed your life script to you, to people, would it be a script filled with faith or would it be a script filled with fear, negativity, unneeded comments? What would that book look like? How scary would it be if there was, in fact, an angel stenographer that wrote out everything you said and then gave it to God? Last scripture. I'm sorry. Matthew 12, 36. On judgment day, you'll have to give an account for every word you have ever spoken. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. I bet y'all are wishing y'all had kind of left before that last scripture there. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. Our music team can come on up. Prayer partners can come on down. And I want you to pull out that other little fasting paper. This is the, last, this is the final week of our 21-day fast. And you know what I was going to do? I don't know how humble y'all are. But I was going to say, let your spouse or your friend decide what mouth fast you should do. If you want to do that, you can. Because it seems like those closest to us know us better than we even know ourselves. I remember one time years ago, we were watching our family Christmas videos. I always videotape everything. And you know, this is back in the day when you had the big old camera, you know. So I hooked it up to the TV. And I had no idea how obnoxious I was at the time with my mouth. I was amazed. I remember asking my kids, is that what I'm like? And they're like, it's the videotape. Like, it doesn't lie. You're watching yourself on TV. I think that we would be amazed this week, whatever mouth fast we do, to see what it's like to not speak some of the things we're used to speaking. You're going to need God's help. You're going to need God's help.